0: This episode of the Pretty Happy Podcast is brought to you by our website, prettyhappy.place. Please visit our website to support the show. On this week's episode, we talk with Hanna Schloty. I'm sorry, Hanna. I really tried, about communicating with AAC.
1: But first, we talk about preparing for Rett Syndrome Awareness Month.
0: Today is September 12th. Welcome to the Pretty Happy Podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Sarah. And we're the parents
1: of Zoe, a child with Rett Syndrome.
0: I am playing with a toy dinosaur.
1: Congratulations.
0: It's a pinchy dinosaur.
1: It is a pinchy dinosaur.
0: Uh, It's a, a dinosaur that you could use to keep your chips fresh. You could use it to keep your cookies fresh. You could use it to keep... Your crackers, fresh, <laughs> and you could also place it on the ear of your child if they are not listening to you.
1: I don't think they would enjoy that much.
0: That's the point. That I is gotcha. the point. You are, you are, you know, asserting your dominance with, with pinchy dinosaurs. Pinchy dinosaurs. Yeah. Anyways, welcome back to the Pretty Happy Podcast, everyone. We hope you're having a wonderful day. We have a very wonderful episode lined up for you. Yes, we do. A very wonderful conversation with a very intelligent and pleasant person. Hjana, I did not say that right that time. I don't speak Dutch, but I'm trying.
1: I'm not trying. She said that I didn't have to try. She did.
0: She did, but... You know, I, 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 I want to try.
1: Okay, we're gonna be honest. I'm not gonna try because That's okay, I don't uh, speak other languages
2: well.
0: Yeah, going back to the 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 last episode, every second language you speak has a Russian accent. It does. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: I've given up on that. That's
0: okay. That's okay. Well, let's jump right into our top three for this week. And we have some updates in the world of Rhett to share with you. Let's begin with number one. Next month, October, is Rhett Syndrome Awareness Month. Sarah, you got any plans?
1: I have lots of thoughts. (laughs) I don't know that any of them are concrete plans at this point.
0: I mean, thoughts can become plans, yeah, yeah. So, but, but thoughts are not plans. No, is. they are not. And that's okay, that's okay. Um, I mean, Rhett Syndrome Awareness Month, it's our favorite time of year, right? It, it, probably not. <laughs> I mean, who wants to have an entire month uh, where we feel like we have to go out and preach the word of Rhett to the ignorant? That sounds fun, right? I mean, <laughs>
1: sometimes it is. There there are times when I do enjoy it.
0: When it's a little more organic and kind of yeah. natural as opposed to being forced upon us. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm,
1: it's. I, I see it two different ways. I see it the way that you're seeing it. But then I also see it as if I participate this month, then I can take a break. <laughs>
0: That's a good way to look at it. Well, I mean, I certainly understand that it can be another stressor to a lot of people. I enjoy being able to talk with people more about it, not necessarily every day, but I uh, certainly do enjoy having another catalyst to be able to talk. And we wanted to quickly share with you some ideas of what you could do. I want to begin, though, by saying if you do not feel like doing anything this year, then don't. Yep. There is literally no expectation for you to do more than you want to. Because most likely, you're already doing more than you would like to. And that's okay. If you aren't feeling up to doing anything, but you still want to give it a go, you can try this. If you go over to our website on September 18th, and our website is prettyhappy.place, you will be able to get access to some resources that will kind of give you an outline of what to say. You'll be able to pretty much just copy and paste what we've got over there, and you will be able to post that. And throughout October, you could just post once, you could post five times, you could post 30 times. You can do whatever you want, but we will have that resource over on our website for you to be able to access and share information with other people. And here's a fun little thought. If you don't want to post it yourself, you can actually share the link to our website with your friends and family and say, Hey, you like me. You love my kids. Please post. And then all they have to do is copy and paste. How easy is that, Sarah? That's very easy. So easy. So easy. So if you don't feel like doing the hard work yourself, we've got you covered. And then we do want to know if you are planning to do something fun for October and specifically Rett Syndrome Awareness Month, please send us a message on one of our social media accounts, through our email. You can even contact us through our website, Oh, and that leads us to number two. That's right. We have an actual website now.
1: We do. It's exciting.
0: So the website has been years. In the making. <laughs> yes. When we first began the podcast, I brought up the topic of a website. Yes, you did. And then both of us were like, eh, that's a lot. Yep. That's a lot.
1: At that point, it was too much
0: yep exactly and now things are such where we've got some dreams of growing not necessarily the podcast but a bunch of things yeah that it really does make sense for us to have a website and have it as a resource and a community So currently on our website, which like I already mentioned, it is prettyhappy.place, P-L-A-C-E. You can access the podcast, which includes downloading the, uh, the podcast, each one of the episodes. You can also subscribe to our email list. And then you can shop some great adapted products. Sarah, tell us about those adapted products.
1: Well... We have toys that we've adapted.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: We've got a very wide range of little kid toys to somewhat older toys. Mm -hmm. We're working on finding more toys that will be appropriate for older ages as well. Yep. We also have switches.
0: Switches? Woohoo! What are switches?
1: Adaptive switches. So the switches... They're the buttons that plug into your toy. They're like a jelly bean switch or a jelly bean button, if you've heard of that, or like a Big Mac button. We have started 3D printing them, Mm -hmm. and we realized that, you know, not everybody has a 3D printer. The files that we're using are free on the internet. If you have a printer or if you know someone that has a printer, you can download the files. You can print them yourselves. If that is too much, we have them available on our website. So you can purchase them there. Um, They're still much cheaper than you will find basically anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And they're fantastic. Yep. They're great switches.
0: Yeah. We don't want to charge an arm and a leg for anything. And another thing that we're doing with the website is with all of the toys that are being adapted... Or that, well, not us. Sarah's adapting them. (laughs) When she is adapting them, we are recording it and we are slowly compiling some videos to be able to show. And these will be publicly available tutorials that anybody will be able to use. If they see a toy and they don't want to pay our price and they want to adapt it themselves, they will have a resource to be able to do that. So the purpose of this website is to help. That's That's all we want to do. We just want to help. And so if that's providing information for people to be able to be successful on their own, great. Or if that's giving people the opportunity to purchase something at a more reasonable cost than what it might be. Also, the toys that we have, like Sarah mentioned, it's a better variety than what you can get that's already adapted based off of what I found. Because these are toys that, are available just at Walmart, Target. It's, it's not some sort of specialty toy. Yeah. And so this means that your kid with the disability will be able to play with it alongside with their sibling or their friends or their cousins who enjoy those same toys. And so it's great. We're really excited about it. And we invite you to share it with other people. We're going to have more stuff on there very soon. Uh, like we already mentioned for Rhett Center of Awareness Month, we're going to have that resource available for you guys. I do also want to brag. We have donated thus far about 150 adaptive switches, mainly to the Rhett Clinic in Colorado. But this is not just about us trying to do a quick cash grab at all. In fact, the amount of money that we have put into this project far exceeds the amount of money that (laughs) we're going to be able to get out of it. Um, All the equipment we've had to buy thus far, the supplies to get it up and running, the website itself. I mean, it's a lot of money that has gone into it. So it's a labor of love and we hope that it is worthwhile for anybody who comes into contact with it. And lastly, in the world of Rett, we have number three. In the world of science, a small RNA molecule was found to be elevated in certain brain regions of people with Rett syndrome. So this was discovered thanks to four scientists who used a mouse model, and they found that one of the four small RNA molecules... That they were researching was consistently elevated in the mice who had rett syndrome and these molecules are specifically found in the hippocampus of the brain which we all know deals with memory right yes Sarah?
1: i completely remember that from <laughs> biology class
0: the published article article said quote the data suggests that higher mir 101A levels, which MIR is micro or mini RNA, what it is. And the 101A is the specific RNA molecule they're referring to. Uh, the levels can alter signals sent by nerve cells which may impair normal brain circuitry to contribute to the development of r- symptoms. Long story short. Sam don't understand science, but Sam do understands that more science is good. <laughs> Caveman Sam, happy with more science. <laughs> That's all I can say on oh. it. Really, it's just more information out there for people who are doing research, and I'm happy, happy with more information.
1: Yep, yeah, it's good. The more that we can, you know, learn and find out about Rett syndrome and how it affects. The body and the brain, the easier it'll be to fix the issues that are happening or treatment, finding treatment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This kind of goes back to the new drug that is that was announced back in, what was that, April now? And it's, it's looking at some of these peripheral things that are coming up, and I wonder if there's more of a possibility to have medications that are going to alter some of these things that are kind of caused because of Rett syndrome, you know, are we going to be able to address those before we're actually able to do some gene therapy? Okay. And if we can address those, maybe that can stay off the regressions and the serious side effects of Rett syndrome until we can get a cure.
1: Possibly. Hopefully.
0: Regardless of what it is, you can read more about this article and this new update in the link down below in the show notes. back everybody we are very excited to have a friend that we had the pleasure of meeting while we were at the Rhett Ascend Syndrome Conference <laughs> Nashville 2020 <laughs> but ended up being 2022 thing. Look, Good, job. I, Good job. I still can't say exactly what it is it's just too much for my tiny little brain so Regardless we are excited to have Herna on the show to uh, with us today. She uh, comes to us from the Netherlands. So yes. I'm very excited about that because now I have a, another spot on our world map that I'm able to check off of free tour guides when we yes. take this podcast <clears throat> on a worldwide tour. Uh, Anytime. Perfect. There's there's an unwritten rule you have to be our tour guide for that.
2: Happy. I would be happy to. I would be happy to. Thanks so much for having
0: me. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it was such a pleasure meeting you at the conference, and I was so excited when Sarah told me that uh, you were not only uh, willing, but also able to be able to sit down with us and chat a little bit about your experience, uh, your uh, expertise. And so with that, let's just kind of go into a little bit about who you are, um, your background, and, and we'll start with that.
2: Absolutely. Um, yeah. So for those who want to try, um, I would pronounce my name is herna which is a little bit further down your throat. Um, but, you know, I don't blame anyone. I've lived in America for four years and people have tried and have scared their husbands over it, you know, trying to pronounce it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I'm sure. No, for real. I have friends. It's like every time he says your name, it's like, it's like, no, Gerna, I don't know. It's just different. And my last name, the same Scholte. So Gerna Scholte is the full name. If you want to keep it more Spanish, Gerna Scholte works fine. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I have (laughs) my um, private practice as speech pathologist Um, in the last I think about 10 years or something now I've been working with a lot of individuals with red syndrome. Um, it just, just so happens. I sometimes say, um, came on my path where I just, uh, came across them as I was in university studying. And for my master's degree in speech pathology, I had to do some sort of research on some topic, um, in regards to language development and at that point i was like i can study anything but i would really like it if the thing i study or the topic i study is actually going to help someone um you know someone who would actually read what i write if i write up some sort sp- thesis or something about it so um connected with a professor who knew a lot about augmentative and alternative communication And that's where it started, where I got connected to, um, this professor in the Netherlands, professor Hans van Balkum. He has done a lot of research and work, um, on AAC, augmentative and alternative communication, um, for the Netherlands and also internationally and started working with him and he introduced me to Rett syndrome and. The rest is history. (laughs) I've been working with a lot of clients or girls or students or however you want to uh, say, or even the boys with Rett syndrome um, and young men with Rett syndrome to help them communicate and express their beautiful minds.
0: One of the reasons why I'm so excited about this conversation is because I I discovered when we put Zoe in this new school, well, she's now been in it. It will be her second year. Yep. There Mm -hmm. is... There is not a lot in the way of, of sub- substantial research, I guess is the way that I would put it, when it comes to what is the appropriate use of AAC. And because of that, um, when it comes to educators, they are not receiving the support and training that they need to be able to properly educate individuals with AAC, um, which is, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's hard for us as parents because we're trying to guide them along Sometimes they are stubborn. They're stubborn mules that want to stand in their spot and say, no, I know what I'm talking about. And then I'm like, well, you don't because in fact, most people don't know what they're talking about because there's just not a lot of information out there. So
1: we don't really know what we're talking about either. No, no. uh, Which is also a problem. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: when we had the opportunity to talk with Dr. Percy, one of the things that he shared was that there hasn't been a lot done in the way of... Understanding not only how to use AAC, but what does what is it actually? The, the individual who's communicating with it, um, what what is their level of intellect? Because we don't know how to judge that mm. appropriately yet. We yeah. know how to do that with a lot of other things, uh, a lot of other uh, cognitive or. Physical or intellectual disabilities, Uh, but with AAC, we don't we don't fully know that yet. Anyways, it's a roundabout way of once again saying I'm Mm. very excited to talk with you, Kenna. Yes. Was that better? Yes. Was that better?
2: (laughs) Yes. You're you're doing great. You're doing great. It's just absolutely not like saying okay, you didn't do good, but it's just just so that people have a chance Um, from reading it. It's probably difficult if they would read my name, but yes, you're right. I think communication augmentative communication, there's a lot of research that has been done. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to girls with red syndrome specifically, um, because of the makeup of all the challenges that they face physically, um, it's hard to judge because we as speech pathologists and psychologists, the tests that we've developed to, or the assessments that we've developed to to say okay you do or you don't understand these things for a big part um they depend on whether someone is physically able to respond to cues that we give them so for example um where is the car well you either look at it you point at it you grab it and then so that would just be indicating you know one out of two objects or something it would require your physical to actually be able to do that looking at something might be possible for some of the rec girls you know giving them enough time and you have to observe yeah. and then to make these assessments somewhat standard so we can say okay we did it in the way it was prescribed and it's valid and it's and all the stuff it has to be within a certain time frame like say the person has to respond within 10 seconds and it has to be the first response that they do or well if you have a physical disability like the physical challenges of your hands and your breathing and all the stuff that happens that's going on while you're doing these tests it's hard to administer the test the way it was prescribed in the validation process so then it's 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 more the issue of the testing i think that we just haven't discovered yet what's the right way to test these girls if you want to test them more so than saying oh they cannot do it because our test does not work with girls with ret syndrome or boys with ret syndrome for that matter
0: which is something that we've discussed extensively with zoe's uh, iep team uh, that her her apraxia has to be taken into account whenever there is an assessment being made there may be some days where she just can't do it because her apraxia is so awful. And then sometimes she just mm-hmm. needs a few seconds to be able to regroup and gain control over her body and, and, and her mind again, to be able to continue with the assessment. I, I think, I think the, the educators have done a really good job over the past year with that of understanding that they need yeah. to yeah. make some changes and adjustments, but that's, that's exactly what the issue is. Is right now at this point, it doesn't take into account the, the apraxia. It doesn't take into account individuals who aren't physically able to do that because of other limiting, um, um, factors that may be Mm -hmm. part of their diagnosis. Well, so with your experience with Rett syndrome thus far, what are some of the things that you have implemented with some of the, your clients to be able to better understand where they are at uh, emotionally, intellectually, and cognitively?
2: Yes. Great question. First, I do want to mention that there is a test, a language test called the C-Build that we use here in the Netherlands. And I think they're working on the English translation or they might've already finished it. That actually is eye gaze based, oh. um, a language test. So <laughs> there is something, there's something out there, at least it's being developed. So I just wanted to make make note of that. But um, what I've put in place, I think one of the first things that I do when I um, interact with anyone with rest syndrome. And even if it's individuals with different conditions that leave them um, almost nonverbal is to assume that there's a person in there that is willing to communicate with me. And I will go first by their age. So their their calendar age to gauge kind of like, okay, what are the topics that I'm going to start talking about? What are um, the kind of words that I'm going to be using, um, what are the things that I would comment on? Because I find it that a lot of these individuals, um, these people, I've like, if I would say, Hey, I already know a lot of girls or people with Rett syndrome, and I've talked with them, and I know that you guys are smart, I know that you want to tell me a lot, then there's this sigh from them. It's like, <laughs> oh man, thanks. I don't need to convince you that I'm yeah. actually in here. And then it just kind of just relieves. I, I think it relieves a lot of the pressure or the stress or like I would love to be heard. Um, it's a massive key to start with.
0: I do have to interject that I love that that's where you begin. Yeah. that That has been one of the things that I have had to develop because I have always mm-hmm. assumed... Um, w- individuals who talk differently uh, than than I do, or communicate differently than I do, or because of a disability, you know, they make different sounds or odd movements. Mm-hmm. I have always assumed that cognitively they they aren't one hundred percent there, and that is that has been a bias I still am having to overcome. And thanks to Zoe, she's she's demonstrated to me that that she is there even though she she makes funny noises every once in a while uh, just as <laughs> as a lot of individuals with ret and yeah. other disabilities do yeah. just because she 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 moves in a manner that isn't typical that doesn't mean she's not there it doesn't mean that she doesn't understand and and that is i think one of my favorite things to share with people when talking about zoe is that she's there She is there, but there is the best way I describe it. There's a filter that isn't allowing things to come from her brain and get out, whether that's through movement, whether that's through speech, whatever it may be, there's a filter there. And so just because Mm -hmm. that filter is there doesn't mean that what's behind it is any less. She is still understanding what we're talking about. She still is aware of what's happening in the situation, And I I can totally see how many individuals with Rett syndrome, as well as other similar disabilities, would react the same way, saying to themselves, thank goodness I don't have to go through this rigmarole all over again with a new person, helping them understand I am human, I am real, I get it, please treat me as my age, just as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the way I... Maybe, Present. thank you, yes, maybe portraying or presenting myself. Um, you may have a certain view of, of you know, what somebody should be acting like at 13 or 18 or, in Zoe's case, at 5. But just because I do it differently doesn't mean I I don't understand at a typical level.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, not to say that there's, there's probably some... Differences between, you know, people like not everyone goes to university. Some people, you know, stay at a different level of education. Um, but I find it really, um, to be honoring, like honoring the person saying, Hey, I value you for who you are. And I start at age just as, as what your age is. And even then there might be an interest that I tend to associate with something, kids younger would also appreciate um for example like we have some styles of music that some of the red girls seem to really go well like they love it Uh their energy levels like if even if their energy drops and you hear that kind of music and it just pops right on um, even if it's those kinds of music that we would associate with younger girls that somehow helps them, or somehow is interesting to them. I would still say that doesn't mean that their age or their cognitive ability is at that lower level. Very much so. Um, because sometimes it's just like a, it's just like a comfort blanket, yeah. kind of like this works. And I mean, we all might have things from our youth that still kind of, you know, spark that that love, energy in us. I love the show Thumbelina.
0: Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It's well, my favorite show. And yeah, and yesterday, I was watching a video of a family in... It was Denmark, right? Yes, so, it was a family yeah. in Denmark. And they... They have a teenage daughter with Rett syndrome, and they were mm-hmm. doing an assessment with her. And at, at one point, um, I, I think her name, if I remember correctly, her name is Millie. I'll make sure to put the link to the video because it's a wonderful 20-minute documentary for free mm. on YouTube. I would um, love to see it. It's, it's great. To see it. She, but she says w- while communicating with this team that she's tired and, and she doesn't want to keep working with them. And so mom lays her down on a little bed that she that's there on the ground and they pull up the swan princess movie and they showed it to her and th- the same thought passed through my mind that you both of you just just shared that it's it's a level of comfort i i like going back to things from my childhood as well because it's, it's comfortable. Yeah. It's, as you said, Kierna, it's, it's a safety blanket. Mm-hmm. And yeah. who doesn't want to be able to go back to a safe place for a moment? And I imagine with all the stressors that an individual threat experiences, they would want to have that more often than many other people. The, as we've already yeah. discussed, yeah. having to convince people that you are there that you understand Mm -mm, what's going mm -mm, on mm -mm. and trying to then communicate not only that, but your emotions and your feelings and then not being able to do it because your body won't allow you to, or the situation doesn't allow it to happen. And you have to bottle that up inside. Of course, you're going to want to go back to that safety blanket. Uh, That has no indication of cognition. I, yeah, totally agree.
2: Yeah, no, totally. And it's, it's just, it's somehow, I think also on a neurological level, it can just help reset some of the kind of checks and balances. Like yeah. it, it can even be on that level um, where it just helps. And yeah. I don't fully understand or I don't fully know. Like I haven't looked into the MRI of like, you know, okay, this is what's happening yeah. in this uh-huh. moment when they listen to this kind of music. I know there have been some studies, but yeah, it's just like, okay, what am I actually seeing? And another thing that I've done, and implemented and even talked about with, um, one of the parents that I'm coaching at the moment, um, is like words that we use just really matter. Yes. Um, for example, shifting, and I don't know if it translates completely, but like, I would refer to the girls that I work with or the young women that I work with maybe initially as clients or people around them would, would, um, refer to them as clients mm-hmm. where, um, we then shifted it to students or at least the Dutch word for it. So from client to leerling, um, you don't have to repeat that. It's so all fine. But just like the, it had, because it has a different, um, a different kind of connotation. Meaning, connotation, like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Like for client, it means I take care of you, uh, means I decide for you means you are here to stay safe during mm-hmm. the day, basically, Whereas student is you come here to learn, you come here to develop, I expect you to grow, I expect you to, um, you know, to have a future, to have a different kind of future and not just to stay at level where you're at. I really like that. And I think that's just such an interesting thing to, to be aware of what language we use. And how we start referring to these individuals, these people, um, our children, if it's your child, or if it's someone you work with as a professional, um, either as a professional caregiver or a teacher or, um, as a speech pathologist or a physiotherapist or a doctor even, I think it really matters. Like, how do we see this person? Because some of those words come with a boatload of expectations yeah. or the lack of
0: yes. expectations. Oh, yeah. I literally was thinking about this the other day because as i was scrolling through Instagram, I saw one of my least favorite hashtags of all time, and that is Silent Angel or Silent Angels, which is in mm. reference to a, a very important documentary that came out in the 90s, bringing to light what is Rett Syndrome. However... We're talking 20 years plus years, 20 plus years has passed. We have a much mm. better understanding yep. of what Rett syndrome is, the individuals who are afflicted with it, and how they cope with life. I I'm going to stand on a soapbox right now. If you are calling an individual with Rhett syndrome a silent angel, you are you you're, what is it? Hamstringing them? Is that the phrase? I don't Hawk-tying know. Park tying them what, what horrible thing can we say about how they are limiting the potential of this individual? Because that's exactly what's well, happening. And it
2: might not be their intention. <laughs>
0: not at all. Yeah. It
2: might not be their intention to say it that way or to, to have that effect. But I do think, um, I do think it matters. Like, what do mm-hmm. we, what do we refer to? Um, like, are we only, are we expecting them to stay silent or are we actually expecting them to find their voice yeah. and yeah. to find their way to communicate? And, like if you say 20 years ago, 20 years ago till now, just the whole world of AAC has dramatically changed. Absolutely, 20 years ago, that was the time before touch, touch screen, or there yep. was maybe some kind of touch screen and you had to press really hard. So even for individuals with like, say um, cerebral palsy that mm-hmm. could push to some screen, you know, it was difficult. They could start using it and um, they were heavy and you know hard disks on mounted on wheelchairs (laughs) like computers mounted on wheelchairs would constantly crash because it was you would go through you know if it's not a concrete thing or there was like some bumps in the road your computer would crash like those things were happening to 10 years ago ish the eye gaze device coming to market and having rapidly evolved into now you can use it almost outside in the sunshine Mm -hmm. where before it was like, if you come too close to the window, there might be too too much, um, you know, uh,
0: Uh, there may be a glare light that
2: would kind of block. Yes. Yes. The glare or the, you know, like just, it's just like there's so much that's been developed in the last so many years. And, and I think even for, I don't know completely your audience, but, um, like the age range of the individuals that they Mm -hmm. are involved with, but, if you now have a five-year-old, you would almost assume like, of course, we're going to get an I guess, device and of course, we're going to use this. And, mm-hmm, oh, this yes. is what we see others do. But keep in mind, like five, six years ago, it wasn't all that normal or maybe no. 10 by now, like 10 years ago, it was not the common way to go. And there was not the assumption that girls with Rett syndrome or boys with Rett syndrome would have more capacity or that we would treat yes. them at age, you know, first yeah. kind of start talking at that level. Um. So it's, it's still pretty new, um, and recent that we've started this, which then also points back to like what you brought up earlier. There's not a lot of research because it's a pretty, it's a very young field still. Mm -hmm. And some of the individuals, the, the young women that have shown a lot of capacity, cognitive capacity have even been kind of pushed to the sides like, oh, well, you're the one-off that has this high level capacity and all the others are not like, or you must have some, you know, magic around you or whatever. I was like, well, but I think a lot of them actually do have this capacity. Um, but it's difficult to create that surrounding around them because it needs a lot of changes. For parents, for teachers, like you said, like teachers are not—they haven't been educated in this either in school. Like no. they haven't had lots of experience in it, so you can't blame them. I don't blame them.
0: Not at all. Um, in fact, one of the I, one of my the conversations we had with uh, one of Zoe's, um, in one of Zoe's IEP meetings was just that. We the the team, the youngest person on the team right now for Zoe, <clears throat> she's actually um I, I can't even remember what it's called she's she's finishing up her master's right now and she's um, mm-hmm. one of Zoe's speech therapists and she's working with a woman who who is a, has her doctorate and um, but that's the youngest person. Everybody else is well into their 40s. Fifties, Very experienced when it comes to working with individuals with complex needs. However, at two occasions, we have had conversations with them where they've said, no, we're familiar with AAC. And I said, when was the last time you took a training on it? Well, I did it when I was in grad school or I did it as part of my undergraduate. You know, they they have a class that you're required mm, to take talking yeah. about um, ESS as a whole. And I said, see, that's the problem is we're talking 10, 15, 20 years ago, depending on where you're at in your career. And I'm not saying that you're not qualified to do it. I am saying things have changed. And and yes. I think you I think you put it perfectly, now, that that even just five years ago, because I have seen that in our Rett syndrome community, is that Even just five years ago, there was a different way to speak about these individuals. There was a different way to treat them. There was different expectations. I mean, for example, life expectancy. I I fully expect at this point that Zoe has the possibility of living into her 50s. Because we have more mm-hmm. information, we have a better understanding, and doctors are better prepared. And we're lucky enough to be in a great situation here in Colorado where we have a wonderful team of medical professionals that are going to be be handling her. And they know Rett syndrome very well. But that was not the expectation five years ago, let alone 10. Uh, the expectation was 20, mm-hmm. 30 years and so you're, you are yeah. 100% correct that we, we are, Rett syndrome is, is very new uh, to these, this new paradigm, I guess is, is what I'm getting at.
2: Yes. Yeah. There's definitely a development that has happened. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, it helps me to give people a lot of grace and to, you know, to, give, to just be like, okay. I am here and I'm going to introduce you to this. This is new um, and it might be scary. It might be different. Um, yeah, lots lots of different thoughts can come yeah. when it comes to these devices um, and helping people to get kind of familiar with it. But the beautiful thing is even the women that are into their 30s now, like I've had some of them, you know, the first introduction to their – gay device or just helping them it's not too late like even if you think okay um you know we missed the whole thing it's all now it's new and my my daughter or the person that I care for is well into their 30s I would say give it a try um because I've had individuals that I helped with and one girl she was like she created a full sentence like learn stop no no stop like she and she had, like anger in her eyes when I turned down, you know, turned off or switched off the computer and took it away because I had to take it with me again. The I device. device, because she was so happy and so clear in finally I have this thing. Um, we applied for it. Like she got it, she got her own device and then she convinced some of her caregivers that she was actually smart and listening to what was happening when she said something like, um, she, I think, she, uh, someone got engaged and she managed to find a page where there was like bride and groom as word. And she like hit that and everyone around her was like, oh my goodness, you actually hear what we're saying. You've been hearing what we're saying all along and created a massive shift. So even if there's someone who's listening, it's like an adult, like don't give up. There is still possibility for communication and to get started.
1: I think that's so great because. Obviously, my experience is with Zoe, right? And there's Mm -hmm. times where I'm like, I don't, not that I don't think she can hear me. I don't think she's listening sometimes. Like, I think she's just doing her own thing and she's not paying attention to what I'm saying. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden she'll throw Mm -hmm. out words on her device that go exactly along with what I was talking about. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, I should have been in a different room. <laughs> like <laughs> that was not for your ears, but mom was not like doing a great job well, at this.
2: That, I guess, you know, just to be honest, that's probably that would happen to any parent. Oh, absolutely. Right. Red Syndrome or not. Like yeah. you think your child is just minding their own business and actually they're listening to the conversation that you're having on the phone or whatever you're talking about. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. Be aware of who's listening.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Well, sp- yeah. speaking of that, uh, obviously your focus has been individuals with complex needs and whatnot, but I'm sh- I'm sure with your training and experience, you've dipped into just understanding communication uh, with, especially with young people in development. Um, what, what do you see mm-hmm. as some of the differences either something that we do in this community or something that you just see the way that individuals with Rett syndrome process and develop their communication uh, versus neurotypical individuals?
2: Ooh, well, um, yeah, I think there's, there are certain things that, you know, communication develops as we, as we are in interaction with each other. Um, typically a, uh, a kid starts talking and we respond to it. They start to make sound And, um, they will, we will respond like they say, bah, and we will say, oh yes, you said ball. And we almost, you know, send a video and a message to the whole family (laughs) that our kid just Mm -hmm. said, whatever, like even, I mean, TikTok is full of videos of little, little tiny newborns or young babies that say, I love you because they kind of mimic the sounds of their parents, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those are a hit. Like you see them, they're cute, I know. Is it fully language? I don't know, probably not. But because those kinds of interactions are happening, that's how usually the typical development starts going. When that whole mouthpiece doesn't work or stops working because of the regression, communication changes and all of a sudden the whole development starts to shift because parents like, and you guys have experienced it, you have all of a sudden you are responsible, responsible for almost both sides yeah. of the interaction. Yeah. Like there's less coming from Zoe or from whoever, you know, your child, there's less coming from them. So you are responsible for almost both sides of the communication depending on how well you can carry those, or you feel like you can carry those, it will influence the communication. And so sometimes what I do when I work with them, I will start to say, you know, I will, I'll give words to behavior, like looking away or like deep sighs or changing in breathing pattern where it's like, oh, you're getting excited. Yes, I know. It's so exciting where maybe another kid would, would say something or would express that more in words, more verbally. I think some of the right girls really benefit from us actually putting words to those expressions of changing in behavior. It's like, oh, I see that you're excited. Yes, it is fun. Or yes, it is, whatever it is, What you know, what comes to the, and really observing, because with that, we start to continue to add language to it because usually there's more coming from the child which then feeds the parent in communicating mm-hmm. back. So I think anything where you can read as a parent or a caregiver on kind of how that typical conversation back and forth goes to say, okay, how can I carry that as the parent, as the caregiver? And where can I leave space? Mm-hmm. Where can I have um, what I would call an expectant pause for them to start responding? Yeah. Helps a lot. That's, um, that's, something that that <laughs>
1: that's something that I struggled oh, with. That's something that I struggled with when our kids I were little
2: totally see that. <laughs> because yes. we
1: had Zoe and then we had Sammy. Sammy is neurotypical, but mm-hmm. he didn't, st- he was a late talker. He didn't start speaking okay. until he was two and a half. He said his first mm-hmm. word. And so for me, I was a stay at home parent. I was with these essentially silent children. They didn't verbally communicate with me. It was really hard. Uh Sam probably got really annoyed with me because he'd come home from work and I would just talk his (laughs) ear off because I haven't talked to anybody all day. Well, I mean, I have, but it's been essentially a conversation with myself all day. And Mm -hmm. so he probably would get really annoyed with me because...
0: Let's let's be honest, I was the one that was doing all the talking when I came home. I it's
1: true. I, <laughs> I, I,
0: I, I struggle allowing other people that to be part team. of the conversation. I just yeah. I just want to talk and talk and talk sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> that is it is a very different way to communicate. It is. It's not something that in a typical family you would be used to because there should be a fairly immediate response to any sort of verbal communication with anybody or, or just general you know, uh, body language, anything like that. You would mm-hmm. expect some sort of response to yeah. occur, but when you're not getting that feedback, mm-hmm. and, and this is kind of going into something I wanted to talk with you about as well, Karen, is th- th- yes. for me, I began to understand that using... AAC and just talking with individuals who have disabilities it is learning another language and is that is that true Absolutely. You, okay so and do you approach your well, students it's
2: like learning a different language
0: correct yes i i i'm really pushing with a lot of people that we introduce zoe to that AAC is is zoe's language I don't fully understand it yet. I hear what she's saying, but I can't replicate that communication back to her because I don't understand her computer yet. Uh, and to be honest, I haven't done a great job mm. of applying myself to be able to do that. And that's obviously one of the ways that children develop communication. But is is that how you approach it? Is there a better way to approach it? What, what have you seen the most success on when it comes to... Individuals who are on the outside, whether it's parents, caregivers, um, other family members, so that mm-hmm. they, they can successfully communicate with this individual.
2: Yes, like you said, it's because it's so different, and I've heard it. This is not my own explanation, but I've heard it explained this way, where you know, kids that develop typically, they get examples of how to communicate and how to talk from mom, dad, neighbors, uns, uncles, grandma, grandpa. The lady at the grocery store, whoever, wherever, you see communication and you will be able to do exactly just that in your own way because you will start talking and you will start to mimic all the stuff that you hear from teachers, from peers in school. When it comes to using augmentative communication, um, using an eye gaze device or any other device or a communication book, if you're using pod, which is a system that I also use, It also, all of a sudden is a different system that usually isn't around. So the amount of examples that kids typically get from being around people that all feed into them starting to talk once they're one year old, you know, starting to use their first words around 12 months of age, all of that is not there for kids like Zoe. There is not there 20 adults around her using the communication device mm-hmm. and giving her, gi- giving her examples, unless we are actually able to teach all these people, Hey, this is what we're going to be doing. And maybe if you've been around someone who uses um, sign language, like mm-hmm. that's the similar thing. It's, it's based on, or it's kind of, you know, it, and you can go into grammar and whether it has different grammar and therefore it's its own language or not. Sign language is its own language. Yeah. Whether this has its own language set to that extent, I don't know, and I don't think that that's really what you're going after with this question. Not at all. But to approach it as, hey, she's learning a language. She's she's learning to use this computer to do what we do with our mouth. That's why she needs us to model as much as possible, to give yeah. examples, to, to to use our speech to show, Hey, this is how you could say this thing, yeah. because otherwise we're expecting this sp- that. And that's the sentence that I've learned from this friend a spontaneous combustion of skills. Like if we don't model, if we don't give the example, if teachers, parents, brothers, sisters, friends, relatives, whoever, if they would start using the computer or a separate, like on an iPad or on another tablet, something where you could have a similar system. It would help them because it, because it also communicates or gives the message, oh, this thing that I'm using is not just for school because if I only use it at school and it stays in the bag once we get home and I never see it when I go to a birthday party or visit the neighbors or it never joins me when I go to the grocery store, it never joins me when I, you name it then apparently this is a device that's connected to school. I don't take my calculator to the grocery store either or to birthday parties because I use it in math class. And it's kind of like be aware. And I know um, maybe there's a parent that's like, well, that's easy if your kid's in a wheelchair or in, you know, to take it, like have it mounted, makes it lots easier. If you have a kid that's, that's, thank God, is able to walk and to move around, it's a whole different ball game to do the AAC and to get it up and running and to have it ready every time. Because yeah. yes, that's a challenge. It's, and that's something to work through as well as a team, Yeah, how to make that available.
0: It's a process. And that's where we are going to leave the interview for now because yep. we went on For a very long time. Yes, we did. Much longer than we originally anticipated. But that's not a bad thing. No. That's a good thing. And so we will have the rest of our interview with Gerna in another episode. So be sure that you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast to this show. So that way you are notified when we post the next part. Sarah, it is time for Can't Leave It. Can't leave it. <laughs> your can't leave, leave it? it doesn't
1: go with that. Huh? When I sing can't leave it, it doesn't go with the music no, like yours doesn't. does. No, it doesn't. No.
0: Anyways, what
1: is your can't leave it? My can't leave it is, drumroll please. I am going back to school. Slash, I went back to school.
0: What a loser. I know. Wah, wah. yeah why are you going back to school sarah
1: well i decided that i wanted to learn more about engineering and making things and creating things and solving problems and so i am now going to school for engineering
0: Are you excited about school?
1: I am. I'm really excited.
0: Do you like school?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Are you sure? Yeah. Because I've been around you after doing homework for a little bit. Okay. And you're not a super pleasant person after homework. I
1: would like to remind (laughs) you that when you see me after doing homework, (laughs) I have spent all day with the children and it's typically 10 at night.
0: That is true. That is true. So So that's typically your grumpy time anyways. That is typically your assigned grumpy time.
1: My assigned grumpy time?
0: Sarah is allotted about 45 minutes every day (laughs) to be grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) But only 45. The rest, you better put on your face and smile.
1: Put on your face. Just any face.
0: No. No. Put on your face. You know which face I'm talking about. Do I? We have discussed this, young lady. <laughs> which uh, class are you most excited for?
1: Um. Okay, so this semester, chemistry. I'm excited for chemistry this semester.
0: I failed all of my chemistry classes. <laughs> Let me take it a step further. I have passed one science class <laughs> in all of my college clear, career. One. I've, one science
1: class. I actually, okay, I have an associate's degree from a different college.
0: Yes. Yes, you do.
1: I have to redo a bunch of my classes because it's been a while. And I don't remember the information, but, uh, I never took chemistry in college, but I'm really, really enjoying it. Like I'm, I'm taking four classes this semester. I'm taking chemistry, public speaking, uh, macroeconomics and college algebra. And chemistry is the one that I'm like feeling the most comfortable with
0: currently. That's really good. Uh, and also you're going to do some labs at home. Yes. Is that right? Because it's yeah. an online all chemistry All of my class? classes.
1: Yeah, all of my classes are online. So they mail you a lab kit and it has beakers and a burner and all the little glass equipment. Equi- equipment. <laughs> <laughs> equipment.
0: That's, that's the part I'm, I'm looking at you questioning about. <laughs> all the little glass e- equipment. Yes. What are they called, Sarah?
1: Well, there's flasks and there's test tubes and there's graduated c- cylinders. You are learning stuff. I am learning stuff. I'm... I'm proud of you. Thank you. Go me. Good job. I'm excited about it, though. I'm... Yeah. Like, I'm genuinely really excited she about this. Been.
0: Yep. So, good for Sarah on taking the initiative to do something hard. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: What is your can't leave it? Doesn't uh, compare to mine, it- but...
0: It is another Music Monday Oh jeez No, it's not an OG's Music Monday No? No, it's a good Music Monday Oh, okay Yeah, no, it's a a good Music Monday Uh, I I stumbled across a podcast that Well, I didn't stumble across it I revisited the Uh podcast episode that I had been a part of Different show Mm. And uh, the music from it was very enthralling. It was just really great. And so I wanted to share it with you. And this one we can actually play all the way through without fear of retribution. Oh. Because it's on the YouTube audio library.
1: Nice. I remember you sharing this with me.
0: This is called Dover and it's by a group called the Westerlies. It's so, like it's happy, but it's not like excited happy. It's something that you could listen to and you're just staring out your window at the grass. Or in our case, it's a dirt lot. (laughs) And it's very peaceful. So anyways, I'm going to leave a link to this song because I love it. And I think you may enjoy it as well I mean it's a short little song It's only a minute 50 Yeah You know But Also I, Have we ever talked about Me and music before? Mm. I don't
1: know that I don't out. recall
0: Long story short I went to school To be a music teacher Yep And my primary instrument Was the tuba and they don't play the tuba in this song, <laughs> 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 but it's, uh, it's a, uh, brass group. And so with it being a brass group, I really enjoy that type of music. And so I will, uh, leave a link to that in the show notes and you can enjoy it or you cannot enjoy it. Yeah. Maybe it's not your thing. Like you're a free person. You can think what you want. You're probably wrong. (laughs) But think whatever you want, silly person. Whatever you want. And with that, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you are notified when we publish episodes, which is every other Monday morning.
1: And please leave us a rating on iTunes.
0: Leave us a message or a question on the Anchor app and you could become part of the show.
1: Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pretty Happy Pod, where we share episode clips, news and updates, and photos of our adorable daughter.
0: If you would like to be interviewed on the show, reach out to us on any of our social media accounts, or you can send us an email at prettyhappypod at gmail.com. For more information about Rett Syndrome, visit our website.